0: to break up prayer, but if you could just, just take a seat, because I think people might be looking at over here. That would be great. It's always difficult to know when to call time on a prayer time, isn't it? We're going to read the Bible together now, and uh, we're going to pick up in John's Gospel as I began um, earlier on at the beginning of the service. We've been wa- making our way through John's Gospel uh, for quite a bit of time now, and uh, we're coming towards the end. And uh, It's just been so fitting that we've come to it at Easter So if you want to follow the reading It's John chapter 20 And reading from verse 19 John 20 verse 19 You'll be aware Because I've told you every week for the past year That the reason John writes his gospel Is that you will believe in Jesus That's and actually, um, that's what he tells us in this reading. So uh, we're going to come to that bit. And uh, if you believe in Jesus, he writes his gospel that you may continue to believe. And in, by believing, you may have life in his name. John is an eyewitness of Jesus. He walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. He was there at the cross, and uh, he was there at the empty tomb. So on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the scriptures that point us to the Lord Jesus. And as we Spend some time just looking at this passage together. Will you feed our hearts that our faith may grow, that our understanding may grow as well? In Jesus' name, amen. I was struck um, as I read this over and over again this week that Jesus and his scars are still visible. Because Jesus, when he was resurrected from the dead with this new resurrection body, could have done away with the scars. They could have just been healed. But he keeps them. He keeps the scars. Scars tell a story. I don't have many scars. Not physical ones. I have one little one in my chin. If you have to get really close to me, probably too close, unless you're Hermie, obviously, and Maybe Karis and my mother, well, I'll stop going on. I had two stitches. Ah, I know. Two stitches. That's the only stitches I've ever had. Two. I fell in the bath. It's not funny. (laughs) I fell in the bath, hit my chin on the side of the bath. Blood everywhere. I thought I'd lost my head. The amount of blood. Two stitches. The nurse did not look impressed at the A&E as I queued up with my wound. But they did a good job. Hardly see it. Our scars tell a story. They all tell a story. Stories of wounds suffered, whether they be physical scars of operations, of of wounds. And there are other scars that you don't see, that we all carry. And they're on the inside. And they tell stories as well. But as we come to this passage, when Jesus meets his disciples, risen from the dead, it's interesting that he says, did you not notice when we read it? Look at my hands. It's me. And my side. And these are scars that tell a very different story. They are the scars that tell the story that Jesus took our sin upon himself on the cross. That's why he died. He died for sin, yours and mine. Died because he loved us, but he died for sin that we might be forgiven. That that which separates us from a holy God will be done away with so that we might have a relationship with God. It was the ultimate sacrifice. He died to heal our wounds as well. There's a verse in the Bible that says, By his wounds we are healed. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, took up his life again in a magnificent resurrection body, perfect in every way, except he kept the scars. Marks of sacrifice will never fade from Jesus. In heaven, he is worshipped as the lamb who was slain. He still keeps the scars. Proof of his identity to the disciples. A wonder in heaven. I mean, I don't know this for 100% certainty, but I, I think it's wondrous for the angels to look upon Jesus. Jesus the one that they have always worshipped, the one who was there from the very beginning and now is there again, scarred, wounded. Because all scars tell a story. And Jesus' scars tell the story of God's unending love. We live in a very skeptical age. I don't know if you've encountered that. As you've uh, met with people, people are quite sceptical, certainly about things of Jesus. I meet people who are into all sorts of interesting things, wondrous things, but sceptical about Jesus. Melvin Bragg, interviewed in The War Cry, says that he is still struggling with the idea of personal faith. The key for him is, did Jesus rise from the dead? I'm glad he's thinking about it. Today, we'll look at somebody who was one of the disciples who is famous for being a bit of a skeptic. He's even given the nickname Doubter, which is a little bit unfair, I think. Thomas, who is famous for saying, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where, uh, in his side, I will not believe it. I won't believe it. He's the one who says, I'll believe it when I see it. He's the one who says, well, it's okay for you to say you've had an encounter with Jesus, but I haven't. And no doubt, John sees that argument coming. And he responds by telling us the story about his friend Thomas and what Jesus said to him. John records four of the ten resurrection appearances of Jesus. The first one was to an individual, Mary. Mary Magdalene. She was the first to bring the news of the empty tomb to Simon and John. And if you remember in the story, they run to the tomb. John gets there first because he's younger and fitter, but he doesn't go in. Peter gets there later because he's older and not so fit, but he goes straight in and he sees the folded grave clothes, still folded, The headband still twirled as if Jesus had just come through it. John goes in then and believes. And Mary then is the first person to meet with the risen Jesus, to encounter him, to speak to him. And she runs back to the others saying, I've seen the Lord. And the next appearance was to the disciples on the first evening of that Easter day. All the disciples behind locked doors except Thomas. And Jesus comes through the door, the wall. The doors were locked. They were in fear. Despite Mary's meeting, despite John's believing, they were still in fear and hiding. And Jesus comes to them with words of peace. Peace be with you. That shalom, peace in all its dimensions. Suddenly, Easter glory breaks in on the disciples. And he shows them his hands and his side as if proving who he is. This is not some apparition. This is not some ghostly thing. This is not an imposter. It's Jesus for real in the flesh. Touch. And he gives them a commission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And John records him saying, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you know that John by now, if you've read his gospel, is is quite a theologian. He's a reflective uh, gospel writer. And he's bringing us back right to the first Moments of creation, right in the beginning, when God, by His Spirit, breathed life into mankind. There in Genesis chapter 1, the Holy Spirit breathes life into creation, and then He breathes life into humanity, and they become a living being. Now, John wants us to know that the resurrection of Jesus marks a new creation. This is a new creation. What went wrong at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, Jesus put right in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. And now at the beginning of this new creation, which will culminate in Jesus' return in all his glory and a new heaven and a new earth, it begins here. It begins on that first Easter morning. A new creation has begun. The restoring, redeeming life of God is breathed out through Jesus upon his disciples. This is an anticipation of Pentecost. Maybe it is John's Pentecost, because he doesn't write. It's it's Luke who takes up the story of Pentecost. But John puts it in about receiving the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, says Jesus, so I am sending you. He tells them elsewhere, wait in Jerusalem till you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour out my Spirit and you'll be my witnesses. And the pouring out the Holy Spirit is key to what is coming next. How does the unique achievement of Jesus in one time and place affect all other times and all other places? How can the message of Jesus first spoken out in that first century to a people who did believe in God who were waiting for a Messiah, who did expect God's kingdom, go to a people who are far from God, not waiting for God, not expectant, even suspicious and skeptical. The difference is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the church into the world. Jesus breathes life into the church. He breathes life into individual believers. The day of Pentecost will launch this new community into the world, taking the gospel of forgiveness and hope and eternal life. This interesting phrase about when you forgive, it will be forgiven, and when you do not forgive, it will remain unforgiven is a bit tricky. We can't forgive people's sins. We can't. Jesus alone can forgive people's sins. But we can point to the one who forgives people's sins. We can forgive those who have sinned against us. Of course we can. And we're encouraged to, told to, commanded to. But it's only God who forgives. And it's as the gospel goes out, we present a choice to people. That you can have your sins forgiven or you can remain unforgiven. But the consequences of remaining unforgiven is that barrier between us and God remains. So when someone comes to know Jesus, we can say, yeah, your sins are forgiven. If they reject Jesus, it's their sins that separate them from Jesus. One of those sins is unbelief. That was my first sin, I guess. When I used to complain I was not a sinner. Don't call me a sinner. My first sin was I didn't believe in Jesus. God himself. So John's appearance is that he records the individual appearance to Mary, to a group, to the, the disciples. And then this final appearance here uh, to the group and Thomas. Next week we'll look at that appearance um, by Galilee. But here he appears to a group but also to an individual, Thomas. Thomas wasn't there on the first Easter evening. People have made up all sorts of reasons why Thomas wasn't there. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there. We can guess that it was too much for him. It was overwhelming. He is, by his track record, and by what I mean his track record, the only kind of incidences we have of him are two, and he seems quite pessimistic. He is the half-empty guy. He is the one when Jesus says, let's go to Jerusalem. Thomas says, okay, let's go. We'll go and die with you. Cheery soul that he is. But he was loyal. But he went. But he was a little pessimistic. Others had been leaving. Jesus, remember, in Luke's gospel, encounters two people on the road to Emmaus. They are already left Jerusalem. They're on their way out. And Jesus is encountering them, and they come rushing back. But when we read that a week later Thomas is back, imagine being Thomas for a moment among the other disciples. How annoying would it have been for that whole week? We saw the Lord. We saw the Lord. We saw his hands and his side. He's alive. And Thomas going, yeah. I don't know where you would have been. Would you have been the Thomas who had said, yeah, that must be true. That's brilliant that you've seen him and I haven't Praise the Lord. (laughs) No, Thomas is, I will not believe it. You're mad. Dead people don't come back to life unless I see the nail marks. Unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas probably goes over the top a little bit. So the next week they're all there. Doors are locked again. Yet again, they've bolted the doors again. Maybe they thought, doesn't matter to Jesus anyway, if he's coming, he's coming. And he comes. And Jesus comes directly to Thomas. It's now brilliant. So straight to Thomas. Put your finger here. Put your hand in my side. I don't know if Jesus lifted up and showed. I mean, you know, dresses those days, you know. But he says it. And the wonder for Thomas is this. Jesus is alive. It's true. Jesus is alive. He died on the cross. He endured such suffering and pain, and he is alive. That's Thomas' story. He is alive. And also, he hears everything I say. Because Jesus knew what Thomas had said. Now, this is a great encouragement to us. Or not. Depending what you've just said, obviously. The encouragement is this. Jesus hears. He hears the cry of your heart. He hears the words of your mouth. He hears you. And he loves you. And he wants you to trust him. That is such an encouragement. Have you ever thought, he can't hear me? He does. He does. (coughs) And now the gospel of John comes full circle. Thomas declares, my Lord... And my God. This is amazing. This is amazing. He is the first person to address Jesus directly as God. God. Let me put this in context. Thomas is a Jew. He's a Jewish man. It would be blasphemy to address a human being as God just wouldn't be done. Thomas addresses Jesus, my Lord and my God. It's the beginning of that realization of the early church, not just that Jesus is Messiah, anointed one, but he is God. And it brings us full circle of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And now at the end of his gospel, one of the disciples is declaring it up front. You are God, Jesus. And so begins that worship of Jesus as we have come this morning into this place to declare that Jesus is God. He is not a son of God. He is not Just a prophet or a good man or a miracle worker. Jesus is God in the flesh. Equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We worship God in Trinity. And then there's just a gentle rebuke for Thomas. And a blessing on those who will believe the apostles' message. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Why is it taking you so long? Blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. If you've believed in Jesus, you are blessed. Jesus says, You are blessed. You have believed the message, you have believed the apostles' message. And we are filled with God's spirit. He is with us in us. And then John tells us the reason why he wrote. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe in his name, so that you may continue to believe in his name. And that by believing you may have life in his name. The rescue mission is on. John comes to the end of his gospel. Just one more chapter to go. Some believe he closed it now just at this chapter, and then he reopens it just for that one last story. Chapter 21. Because it feels like an ending. Chapter 20. It feels like an ending. And then he just reopens it just for once more. Maybe there's a reason given with people thinking John will live forever. He has to put that right. But he ends with this the reason for his writing and the risen Jesus who bears the scars of his suffering. What did the scars tell you? All scars tell a story. I don't know what your scars tell. Whether they be physical scars, whether they be emotional scars, whether they be mental scars, they tell a story. But Jesus died for them. He died for our sins and He died for the sins done to us. He died for your scars. And he wants to bring healing to those wounds. By his wounds, we are healed. So let's come before this amazing God in prayer. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to sing again. Let's pray together. Just want to give an opportunity for anyone here this morning who perhaps for the first time you want to take a step of faith in believing that Jesus is God. God in the flesh. God who died on the cross. God who rose from the dead. God who came to forgive and to save and to set free. If that's you this morning, Would you just pray in your heart and receive Jesus as your Savior? Maybe you've been on the fringe of things. Maybe you've known about Jesus. Maybe you've drifted away from Jesus and he is calling you back with the truth of who he is. Well, maybe this day is the day of salvation for you. When you choose Put your life in his hands and believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and believed, said Jesus, who have believed the message. If that's you today, then put your trust in Jesus this morning and tell somebody, either on your way out or someone you know you've come with. Just tell someone. If you want just to know what to pray, just pray with me. Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me thank you for forgiving my sins please come into my life and be my lord and my god for those of us who have followed jesus and are following jesus we all carry scars and today i just want to pray over us all that the wounds of jesus will bring healing to our scars Lord, will you come by your Spirit and bring healing, bring deliverance to the scars that we have, the stories behind them. We look to you And we continue to believe in you. We who have read through this gospel, we believe in you, Jesus. And we say with Thomas, my Lord and my God, we worship you. Let's stand and worship Jesus together.